am super excited. Guys, when I was back there getting ready to come out here, I, about, I was, I, listen, I felt like running through the brick wall. I mean, I, I, I could sense the presence of the Lord in this place. And I'm here to tell you, the Holy Spirit is doing some unique and wonderful things. And all he's waiting on is for each one of us to make ourselves available for him to work through us. Are you with me today? He chose to use us. God chose you man to reach man. He didn't give the, the proclamation of the gospel to the angels. He gave it to man. And so he saved us and left us here on this earth so that we could have kingdom impact in this world that we're living in. So I'm super excited that you guys are with us here today. I'm thankful for uh, the privilege of being here in the house of worship. Uh, before we get going, I'm going to read something to you right quick because I think it's, it's always, I love when I get communication uh, from people who are affected by our ministry. And whether you realize it or not, uh, our ministry efforts uh, expand far beyond the four walls of this church and far beyond the little old town of Benton, Louisiana. Uh, we, uh, our radio broadcast, which I shared through that testimony uh, in, back in January, how God confirmed to, to keep that going. Um, and we're on 12 stations across the southeast, two of them in Louisiana, well, four of them in Louisiana, AM, FM side. But I got this letter the other day. It says, Pastor Adams, you presented a sermon uh, not long ago about supporting the entity that delivers a message and supplies spiritual food. You do that, sir. The teaching and applicable day-to-day biblical lessons that you deliver hit home in every lesson that you cover. Enclosed is my tithe check to hopefully in some small way help in the continuance of Elizabeth Baptist Church and your leadership. I will with great pleasure and earnest appreciation try to send EPC a monthly tithe to hopefully continue your lessons of life and the plan of God to follow respectfully. It's one of our radio listeners. This guy's in Mobile, Alabama. So I share that with you because... Because of your continued support of the work of ministry, because of your tithes, offering, and sacrificial giving, the, the gospel is being proclaimed outside the four walls of this church here. Uh, through live stream, we're going across this, this nation and across this globe. But that stuff doesn't happen if you don't support the work of ministry. So when, when someone gets blessed by that, and I like to read that because sometimes we don't realize that we... We got, we, we got to hear that response, but there are probably thousands of others who are listening, maybe getting blessed, but we don't get a chance to hear that response. But we know that we're doing what God told us to do. Amen? So I thank God for, for you supporting the work of ministry so that our radio outreach ministry can continue to, to, uh, to go forth and be a blessing. Okay? So if you have your Bibles, guys, let's go to Ephesians chapter 6. On last week, we started a, a, a teaching called A True Father. Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to begin our reading at verse number 1, and we'll go down through verse number 4. I am super excited. Glory to God. Our, our women's minister, had, I understand, had an outstanding uh, uh, brunching, luncheon gathering on yesterday. Y'all bought all that fire up in here. That's what it is, isn't it? All you ladies on fire. <laughs> Just brought it on up here so much. Dr. Tanya McGill, I understand, did an outstanding job in pouring into you guys, and it was a great, great event, uh, great event, great fellowship of, of, of women coming together to encourage one another. 
You know, it's too much of, of women coming together and gossiping about one another. But it's great when you can come together and encourage one another. Can I get a witness? Now, watch what the scripture text says. We're, our, our, our scripture, our base takeoff scripture is coming from the Apostle Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus. And as I told you on last week, Paul, when he writes these letters to these churches, uh, he customarily gives you in the first half of the letter doctrinal truths, what we should believe. And in the second half of his letter, he begins to tell us how to apply what we believe into our everyday lives. And guys, I'm telling you right now, what's been missing in our churches is people know Sometimes people know, maybe they not don't know, but a lot of times people will know what the Bible teaches, but we're not applying it in our everyday lives. And God, God, God wants us to be doers of the word and not hearers only. And when we, when we hear only, we actually deceive our own selves. So Paul writes here and he gets into this sixth chapter and he's talking about really uh, the way the family connects. And he says this, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. For this is the right thing to do. Children, obey your parents. Look at verse number two. It says this, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. Next verse says, if you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on the earth. Next verse says what? Here's, what, here's, our, here's our, our takeoff scripture, the one I'm focusing on. Fathers. Everybody say Fathers. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Again, a true father. What is a true father? Fathers, do not provoke your children to, to anger by the way you treat them, but rather bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Now, let's, look at this. Guys, as you see this, he give the father the, the task of being the one who pours into the children's life spiritually. We know that when the father and mother come together and produce child, the father and the mother, the husband and wife are become one flesh. So there's, there's, a, there's a, a, a complementary agent that the father has, that the husband has, that helps you, and that's the wife. Okay, that's the mother, right? So they do it together, but, but who, who according to this scripture should be taking the lead when it comes to discipline and spiritual instruction? Fathers. But the sad reality is, guys, in a lot of our homes, the father is not the one who's leading out spiritually. The father is not the one who's praying with the children, the one who's, who's leading, the one who's, who's taking them to Sunday school and discipleship training. Many times the father's the one who's kind of lagging. But I am convinced that in this church here that God is doing a new thing with fathers here. That the old stereotypical image of the dad who's just going along for the ride is no longer going to be valid. Did y'all hear me? I said, did you hear me? God wants to do a work in fathers because we have a, an awesome responsibility. And I'm going to go back over and, and share with you those stats I shared with you last week about how when a father's not there, how dramatic the outcome of a, life, a child's life changes when dad is not relevant in the home. If he's not there or if he's there and he's detached or he's absent. So, uh, so, we, so dads have a responsibility. And we told you that in order to be a true father, you have to first of all be a real man. A real man, we said last week, rejects passivity. A real man accepts responsibility. 
A real man leads courageously and a real man invests in those things that are eternal in nature and not just the temporary things. Not just about how much money you can bring home, dad. You know, so many fathers and so many men get caught up uh, in their careers. And nothing wrong with trying to advance in your career. Nothing wrong with trying to uh, be the best you can be in, the, in your chosen career field. But guys, I'm going to tell you something. When it's all said and done, when they get ready to lay you in the grave, it's not going to be about how good of a banker you were, how good of a doctor you were, how good of a teacher or a coach you were. It's going to be about how you impacted your children's lives, your family's life, and those who you came in contact with, those who you, who you, who you lived in community with. It's got to be more than just about the money. Now, dads ought to make some money. Hello. Dads ought to make some money because the Bible says if a man don't work, he should what? Talk to me, Bible scholars. So, so it is our responsibility, men, to be providers and priests of our homes. But please, please, please don't get caught up into thinking that your job and your occupation makes you who you are. Because a true father goes beyond what he does for a living. Amen. And there's a lot of guys, uh, when you talk to them, all they can talk about is what they do for a living. God wants to know what kind of impact you're having in your family and those who you come in contact with. So, so we, we shared those things. Which are not, we're going to pick back up uh, in the second part as we talk about some foundational truths of fatherhood. Let me, let me read something to you that Dr. Henry Cloud shared uh, about a conversation that he had with one of his clients as he was talking with her. Listen to this real carefully. He says, I want to tell you about a friend of mine named Michelle. He says, it was a difficult season for Michelle. Her father had recently died after a lengthy illness. His death had been expected. What hadn't been expected was what she'd begun to discover about her relationship with him. Since for a long time, Michelle had told, us, told me stories about the kind of man her father was. In all of them, her father was loving, caring, strong, and protective. She had evaluated the men in her life by one standard, her father. There was only one problem. Michelle's dad had left her and her mother when she was two connecting with Michelle only sporadically throughout her life. So Michelle had created in her head a perfect father. She'd embellished who he really was to protect herself from the pain and loss of not having had a father at home. Only after his physical death was she able to accept the death of the relationship several decades before. She began seeing her father for the real person he was, a troubled, self-absorbed man who really hadn't made time for her. She had a deep loss of, to work through the loss of a man who had never been. Said Michelle never had a dad to connect with, one who held her, played with her, and took her on walks. Having no picture of a real dad, she fabricated an unrealistic one and compared every man she dated with this ideal dad. Now, listen, I, I told you on last week that none of us had perfect fathers. Nobody in here had a perfect dad. Now, I know we may tell the story as if our dad was the greatest thing since life, life bread, and he may have been a good man, a spiritual man, but no man is perfect. And I shared with you on, on, on last week, all of us to a certain degree have wounds that, 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 that we are dealing with 
that, that probably we can trace it back to our dad. Because none of us are perfect. Listen, I know I'm not a perfect dad, but I'm trying my best, <laughs> okay? So, so we have those wounds. So this, this girl, because she, her dad left her, she made up a story. And, and, and so as a result, she didn't deal with some of the things that she had to deal with in her life, those wounds that were there because the, the father was not there. The fact that Michelle had a dad somewhere was not enough to save her from deep feelings of abandonment and loss. She needed a father in her house, a father in the flesh, a father incarnate. This only mirrors the need that God sensed within humans. In addition to the fact of God in our lives, we need God in the flesh. Let me say it again. In addition to the fact of God in our lives, we need God in the flesh, God incarnate. We need the Christ. Amen. So you can go around all day long. I don't need anybody. I'm good by myself. How many of y'all ever said it before? I'm good. All right. But you were, you and I, all of us were created with a need to connect and interface with other human beings. Even medically, some of you medical doctors and nurses can, can back me up on this, but everything that I've read has shown that if you take two babies, two innocent babies, and, and, and they're born, and you give one nourishment and holding and cuddling and, and, and cuckooing and boo 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 hey baby, mm, mm. you know what, I believe babies talk like babies because we talk like babies to them. All right, you know, if you have that one baby that's nurtured and cuddled and held, that baby will develop far Far, far more faster and, and, and greater in his development than the person, the baby that's left alone. It's because all of us were designed to connect with other human beings. So God, in his infinite wisdom, you know, uh, gave us Jesus Christ. He was God in the flesh to, to give us a way to get to him, right? And so, but we all need other people in our lives. Guys, let me tell you something. The person who says, if you have God, you don't need people, distances us from the man Jesus Christ okay it minimizes the incarnation a fundamental Christian doctor so we all need somebody so this lady here made up something because she was missing something because her dad was not there now guys let's look at some foundational truths of fatherhood right quick okay we all go with me the first thing we want to we we know is first of all family was God's idea everybody say family was God's idea let's go to the book of Genesis chapter number two and we're going to look at verse number 24. Genesis 2, verse number 24. Glory to God. And let's back up a few verses there, Father. Let's go back. Can we pick up at verse number 20, maybe? The text says that he gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals. But still, there was no heifer just right for him. There was no heifer that was suitable for Adam. God had created Adam. And the text says this next verse. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord took out of one, took, took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Text says, then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. Verse 23, at last the man exclaimed. He exclaimed. Everybody say he exclaimed. Everybody say he was excited. Adam was ex- When you exclaim something, that means you go, whoa! My God! Can I say that in here? The text says, at at last, Adam's sitting here naming all these animals and there's male and female 
And he says, at last, oh my goodness, this one is bone for my bone and flesh for my flesh. She would be called, whoa, man. Some guy said, he was saying, whoa, man. <laughs> whoa, man. I don't know if he said it quite like that. But she would be called a woman because she was taken from man. Look at verse number 24 with me. Let's go. It says what? This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. KJV says, therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and the two shall become what? One flesh. Let's go to Psalms, if you will, uh, chapter 27, verses 3 to 5. The 127th number of Psalms, and we're going to look at verses 3 through 5. Glory to God. A true father, a true father. A true father has, first of all, to be a real man. And we talk about what a, what a real man does. He says, watch this now. Look at this. I know sometimes you don't think this is true, but this is true because the Bible says it's true. Children are a gift from God. They are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Can we read it out loud and on purpose together? Come on. I know when they become teenagers and they think that they know it all and they question your judgment, they think you are silly, they think you're old-fashioned, that you don't know what in the heck you're talking about, that you ain't ever been this way before. But they still are a gift from the Lord. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Next verse says what? Let's go. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hand. Watch the text. Watch the text. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. Now, again, the man whose quiver is full of them, talking about children. Now, this don't mean, this does not mean this does not mean, young man, that you go around populating the earth with every sister you see. Yeah, I got, I got 11 children. Are you taking care of any of them? See, listen. This is in God's in God's kingdom and in God's way of doing things. Uh, he, he's talking about a man who's in covenant relationship with a woman. For y'all that don't understand what covenant relationship means, that means married. Let's get married. Listen, young lady. Don't give up your body. Let me go to this side over here. Young lady, don't give up your body to a young man because he tells you, well, you know, you know, you know, you know I got needs. And young lady tells me, I got needs too. I got a need to obey my God. And if you really love me, true love waits. If you really want to know where a joker is, I call him a joker. If you really want to know where a joker is, keep your body to yourself and see how long he he stays around. And young man, keep your body to yourself. I was I was talking to my good friend Terry Slack, who's a, who's a I serve on the board of directors for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. He was uh, his son Hayden recently got married. And I, I've, I've known Hayden since he was knee-high to a duck. 
Uh, it was several years ago. Hayden, uh, you know, when I think the Southern Baptist had this true love weight thing, and uh, Hayden made a commitment uh, to uh, to true love weights, and he had this this promise ring uh, on uh, that he had worn since he went through that program, and he kept himself as a virgin. Hey, y'all know how to spell virgin? V I R G I N. And Terry was telling me one, one of the most be- beautiful and moving things that he did at his wedding ceremony, guys, was he took that ring off and gave it to his wife because he had kept himself from sexual intercourse until he was married. Okay, okay, maybe you messed up like I did. Maybe you messed up, but guess what? You can start over right now. You can become a new kind of version. From this moment forward, until I enter into covenant relationship with my spouse, my future spouse, I will keep myself pure under Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? All right, I got to keep moving. So don't, don't go planting seed all over town is what I'm getting at. And think that makes you a father. I told you on last week, just because you impregnate a woman don't mean that you are a father. How joyful is a man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city gates. Now, guys, so family was God's idea. God, God designed family. And families, he brought man and woman together to procreate. I'll tell you on last, I'll tell you on last week that, that society keeps trying to redefine what marriage is. But the church better stay with God's definition. Can I get it with it? If we're going to stand in righteousness with God. And listen, I love everybody, but what I'm going to tell you is, is that God's word is true. And I told you on last week, biologically, it's proven to be true. Because no man and man can procreate. No woman and woman can procreate. That procreation is the natural order of things. All right? It's, it's very, very clear. You know it. All right? So let's keep moving. So family was God's idea. Number two, fatherhood is a God-given commission. Let's go to Proverbs 22 and 6. And then look at Proverbs 29 and 17. Fatherhood is a God-given commission. Fathers are commanded to train up and discipline their children. Proverbs 22 and 6, let's look at it right quick. It says, well, direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. 29 and 17, we're going to go through these real quickly, but you just jot them down, and I want you to go back and meditate, them, meditate on them when you get home. Discipline your children. Discipline your children and they will give you peace of mind and will make your heart glad. Now, I'm going to say something right quick. Parents, it's important that you love your child enough to discipline them. And there are several ways of discipline, guys. But I'm going to tell you this, you know, and again, discipline uh, does not mean abuse, but it means discipline. The Bible says Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from him. There's other scripture that talks about discipline, and, and good, godly discipline will help to guide your child. Don't do not leave a child to himself. The Bible says this in one passage that if you leave your child to themselves, they'll bring his mother to open chain. So we have a responsibility to love our children enough to discipline them. Okay? Discipline your children, and they will give you peace of mind and will make your heart glad. Let's go, uh, if you will, to uh, Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter, verses four through nine. Watch this. This is, 
as, as the children of Israel are preparing to go into the promised land, they've been delivered out of slavery in Egypt, and now they get ready to go into the promised land, and God is instructing them on what they should do as it relates to how they do family life in the land of promise. Because they knew, God knows that they're going into a land he's given them, but there's enemy in the land, and there are people in the land that, are, that don't have covenant with God. And so if, there, if, you're, if you're in a relationship with somebody who doesn't have covenant with God, you've got to make sure you know what you know. Because that person who's not in covenant with God will try to talk you out of or talk you into doing things that are against your covenant with God. So notice what God tells his children as they prepare to go into the land of promise. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Verse 5, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Verse says, repeat them again and again to your children Talk, repeat them again and again to your children. Repeat them again and again to your children. I want to ask you a question, Father, Dad, Papa. What's the last time you talked to your child about something spiritual in nature? Oh, I know you're talking to them about sports. I know you talk to them about making money. I know you talk to them about careers. But what's the last time you sat down and said, son, daughter, how's your spiritual walk with the Lord going? Tell me what your struggles are. See, as a father, we owe it to our children to train them up in the things of God. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road. You got a road trip, you're traveling, you're flying or wherever. Talk about the Lord. When you're going to bed and when you're getting up, sound like to me he wants you to talk all the time. I don't mean 24-7, but I mean... There needs to be, what he's talking about is consistency over a period of time. We shouldn't let months go by without each one of us, fathers and mothers, talking to our children about their spiritual walk. And I'm going to tell you, sometimes I don't, sometimes I fall short in this area. I know my children are coming, but I need to have more conversation. Watch this. Next verse says, tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Verse 9. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Fathers are commanded to train up and discipline their children. All right, uh, let's, let's go, if you will, uh, to um, the third point. Fatherhood takes intentionality. It takes intentionality. You've got to be intentional about this. It can't be just by happenstance. It can't be just you just bring them to church and let the church do all the teaching. As a matter of fact, guys, hear me carefully. Really... The spiritual nourishment should be primarily coming from home and the church should complement or to reinforce what you as a parent, a Christian parent, is doing in the home. Too many families are depending on the youth ministry to, to, to raise their children in the spiritual things of God. And it's, it's the father and the mother's responsibility to do so. Can I get a witness? See, real men... Fatherhood takes intentionality, but we know real men reject the cultural norm of, of a detached dad. There are many detached dads that are out there uh, who are not engaged spiritually with their children. Real men accept the responsibility of, of this sacred commission, and they're intentional about it. Real men lead their families courageously regardless of the setbacks or confusion that may be in the family. They're going to take that time to pour into them spiritually. So fatherhood takes intentionality. Go to First Samuel with me right quick, the second chapter. 1 Samuel chapter number 2 in verse number 12. How many of y'all remember this guy named Eli? He was a priest. And Eli was not intentional. As a matter of fact, 
he was somewhat detached and neglectful in how he poured into his sons. Now watch what the Bible says here. Now the sons of Eli were what? Scoundrels. Guys, I pray that none of your children are known as scoundrels. The text says the sons of Eli were scoundrels who had no respect for the Lord. Look at the next verse. Let's go. Or for their duties as priests. And these guys were serving the temple, guys. Whenever anyone offered a sacrifice, Eli's sons would send over a servant with a three-pronged fork while the meat of the sacrifice animal was still boiling. Watch this. The servant would stick the, stick the fork into the pot and demand that whatever it brought up be given to Eli's son. All the Israelites who came to worship at Shiloh were treated this way. Now watch this. Sometimes, now again, guys, this, this is under the old covenant dispensation where they brought animal sacrifices to the temple, right? Again, under, when you're studying your Bible, you have to understand dispensational time element, okay? Some stuff that happened in the Old Testament is not for us in the New Testament because Jesus came to fulfill all of the types and the typologies and the shadowings that were, took place in the Old Testament. Can I get a witness? Watch out for people who try to go to Leviticus and try to bring that forward to 2021. Are, are y'all with me today? With dietary restrictions and some other stuff in certain holy days. But, but again, here's what was, God was setting the type so that it could get ingrained in man's mind about the ultimate sacrifice. Jesus Christ himself who would come, be born in a manger in Bethlehem, tabernacle down here for 33 some odd years and go to the cross of Calvary and die for us. And through his sacrifice, guys, we have the privilege and the honor to be in personal relationship with the God who created the heavens and the earth. So sometimes the servant would come even before the animal's fat and been burned on the altar. He would demand raw meat before it had been boiled so that it could be used for roasting. They're taking what was supposed to be sacrificed to God and taking it for themselves. The man offering the sacrifice might reply, take as much as you want, but the fat must be burned first. Then the servant would demand, no, give it to me now. Oh, I'll take it by force. This is Eli's son. Now, again, we're talking about fatherhood is intentional. And so we're going to see Eli, who was God's priest, his man, but he wasn't doing what he was supposed to do as it relates to disciplining his sons. And if you don't discipline your children, if you don't, listen, I don't care. If your children get mad at you and decide they don't want to come over to your house for Sunday dinner, then so be it. But we're going to speak truth in the Lord Adam's household. Can I keep going? So the sin of these young men was very serious in the Lord's sight, for they treated the Lord's offerings with contempt. Watch this, watch this guys. So, but Samuel, though he, you know, Samuel's the one, the, the, the child that, was it Hannah? It was Hannah that, that had, you know, couldn't have children, and then she prayed, and God blessed her with a child. She dedicated that child to the Lord. That Samuel, that same Samuel, that child she dedicated to the Lord, was here serving with Eli in the temple. She said, when she, when she birthed him after having had a child, she said, I'm going to give it to the Lord. And guess what the Lord did? God, the Lord blessed her with five more children. Because again, at that time, the, the other lady uh, who, was, who was, the you know, back then they had two wives. We don't have two wives today, okay? <laughs> There's no, there, the, 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 no two wives today. No wives and side chicks. Y'all know what a side chick is? Some of y'all look at some of y'all say, I don't know what that is. A side chick is, is when a man is married, but he's got another woman on the other side of town. Oh, y'all do know that happens, don't you? Oh, y'all do know that happens in the church, don't you? 
We're going to call out sin as we see it. Guys, there, there are many marriages that have been wrecked through the sin of adultery. And it's happening throughout congregations. It should not be, but it's happening. The unfortunate part of it is happening. So, but anyhow, the culture of this day, even though God used men who were in that state, but God never ordained multiple wives. Are you with me? So a side chick is, is a woman who the husband or the side dude. There are side dudes. Y'all know that, right? You know what a side dude is? When a wife has a man on the side that she slips and has sexual relations with or even an emotional affair. Okay. We're getting real quiet here. We're getting real quiet here because some of y'all are thinking, some of y'all have had thoughts. And thank God that he interrupted your thought pattern. Because you stopped working on your marriage and you allowed the enemy to slip in and those thoughts came. Are y'all listening to me? I don't care if you're a deacon on the deacon board. God knows I don't care if you're preaching from the pulpit. How many times have you saw more failures of preachers across this landscape because we took our eyes or preachers have taken their eyes off of what's really right and have allowed stuff to come in and infiltrate. Don't don't you ever sit there. Let me warn somebody right now because some some, some of you with your pious religious self will sit there and say, I will never. I can't tell you the number of people who have said I will never, but they did. The Bible tells us to always be on guard because be on guard because you never know if you take your eye off the prize, if you get out of the word of God and, get out and stop praying and, and, and begin to drift, there's no telling what your flesh will do. But Samuel, let's keep moving. But Samuel, though he was only a boy, served the Lord, he wore a linen garment like that of a priest. Watch the text. Watch this. Each year his mother made a small coat for him and brought it to him when she came with her husband for the sacrifice. She would come yearly for sacrifice and she would see that son and she dedicated to the Lord. The one that she couldn't have children, but when she had him, she was so appreciative of what the Lord had done for her, she allowed him to, she dedicated him to the Lord and allowed him to serve with Eli the priest in the temple. Before they returned home, Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, may the Lord give you other children to take the place of this one she gave to the Lord. The text says, and the Lord blessed Hannah, and she conceived and gave birth to three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. Let's keep going. Watch this now. Now, Eli was very old, but he was aware of what his sons were doing to the people of Israel. He knew, for instance, that his sons were seducing the young women who assisted at the entrance of the temple. People would come to offer sacrifice, and these dudes, these boys, seducing them. Y'all know what it means to seduce a woman, right? Can I make it plain? To seduce a woman means that you talk her into having a sexual relationship. Watch this. Eli said to them, I've been hearing reports from all the people about the wicked things you're doing. Why do you keep sinning? You must stop, my sons. The reports I hear among the Lord's people are not good. If someone sins against another person, God can mediate for the guilty party. But if someone sins against the Lord, who can this intercede? But Eli's sons wouldn't listen to their father, for the Lord was already planning to put them to death. See, God's judgment came very swift and very quickly 
under the, the old covenant dispensation. Now, Eli had ignored this, guys. Let me, let me keep reading here because God is going to watch what happens here. This stuff was going on, but Eli was negligent in watching his sons and disciplining them. And so they got out of hand. A little sin will go a long ways. The Bible says sin is like leaven. A little leaven will leaven the whole lump. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew taller and grew in favor with the Lord and with the people. One day a man of God came to Eli and gave him this message from the Lord. I revealed myself to your ancestors when they were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt. Watch this. I chose your ancestor Aaron from among all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer sacrifice on my altar, to burn incense, and to wear the priestly vest as he served me. And I assigned the sacrificial offerings to you priests. Now watch this. So why do you scorn my sacrifices and offerings? He's talking to Eli now. His sons are the one doing the dirt, but he's talking to the dad because the dad had responsibility. Why do you give your sons more honor than you give me? I want to ask you dads, I want to ask you mothers, why do you give your children more honor than you give God? You do everything your child says, have them in everything. And I believe, listen, I believe in supporting your children, but sometimes you have to have a balance, not sometimes, all the time you need to have a balance in what all you let your child get involved in. You miss half, you, you know, in other words, you're not connected with your local church congregation because you're running behind your child with sports and all. And I, listen, I love sports. I love the activities, but there has to be some balance there. Why do you give your sons more honor than you give me? For you, for you and they have become fat from the best offerings of my people Israel. Watch this, guys. Therefore, the Lord... The God of Israel says, I promise that your branch of the tribe of Levi would always be my priest, but I will honor those who honor me, and I will despise those who think lightly of me. Watch what God says. The time is coming when I will put an end to your family, so it will no longer serve as my priest. All the members of your family will die before their time. None will reach old age. This is God. This was been meted out. Man, I'm so thankful that I was born under, under the dispensation of grace. Because here's what God is doing, guys. When you look at the Old Testament scripture, you got to look at the big picture. God, in order to bring the Savior into the earth realm, he had to come through a family unit. And if that family unit was not protected, the seed couldn't have been born in Bethlehem. So God went to extreme measures to protect the seed. Are y'all following me? That's why God, God would bring judgment on Israel in the, Old, uh, in the Old Testament because he was trying to get them to the point that where Christ would be born in Bethlehem without, the, without, without the, the, the Israelites being totally destroyed. And the enemy tried to destroy them. The Israelites' sinful behavior put them in position where God says, I got to do something, I got to discipline my people so they can come back to me because I'm doing something through them. Now, they were not special from the standpoint of they were better than anybody else. It's just that God had to pick a nation or family to come through. So now he's, he's bringing this discipline against his people because he's trying to protect the seed that's going to be born in the manger in Bethlehem. The time is coming when I'll put an end to your family so it will no longer serve as my priest. All the members of your family will die before the time none will reach old age. Watch this. Text says, you will watch with envy as I pour out prosperity on the people of Israel, but no members of your family will ever live out their days. That was God's judgment because Eli failed to deal with his unruly, undisciplined, sinful boys. 
Fathers, we have a responsibility, especially with our boys, to rear them up. But it takes intentionality. You can't just sit back and say, well, well, oh, well. I'll just bring them to church. No, it takes more than that. Third, fourth thing, wise fathers focus on the heart. Wise fathers focus on the heart. Go to Proverbs 24 and 23. 4 and 23. Wise fathers focus on the heart. The heart is a wellspring of life, guys. And you, you know what Jesus said. People were coming to him and wanting to know why his disciples didn't wash their hands ceremonially. And Jesus said, it's not what goes in a man that defiles him. It's what comes out of his heart that's messing us up. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Can we read that out loud on purpose? Let's go. Let's go. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Wise fathers Focus on the heart. And you can look up at what Jesus said about Luke 6 and 48, what comes out of the heart. The heart is a wellspring of life, guys. Number five, wise fathers are dependent on grace. Wise fathers are dependent on grace, on grace, on grace. Let's go to Romans, the third chapter right quick and look at verses 23 through 24. Romans, the third chapter. Glory to God. Wise fathers are dependent on grace. Hallelujah. Text says this, for everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Verse 24, yet God freely and graciously declares that we are righteous. He did this, how? Through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. Guys, I am so super glad that, that, Jesus, that God chose to redeem us through sending his son to die on the cross for our sins because none of us are good enough in our own right to come before a holy God. But because of Christ's sacrificial death on the cross, we all have the privilege and the honor to be in relationship with the holy God, the God that created the heavens and the earth, guys. So, so but, but a, a, a wise father is going to be dependent upon God's grace. He's not going to depend on his intellect, his own strength. He's going to depend on God's grace to be the father that God called to be because real men recognize their own brokenness and their need for forgiveness. Real men recognize their own brokenness and their need for forgiveness. Real men don't go around pretending like they got it all together. All right? Wise fathers are dependent upon God's grace. Now, what, 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 is, what does every child need from his father? Let's, let's go. Go through this right quick. Number one, we need time together. They need time together. I was, uh, this was, I think it was last, not this past Friday, but the Friday before we just come back off of vacation. Uh, and my son, he, he's in professional aviation over at Louisiana Tech. And he, uh, Thursday night, um, this is, we've been gone for two and a half weeks uh, vacationing. And, you know, how many of y'all know when you get back into the office after vacation, it's like, like a swarm. You, you're trying to catch up. You're trying to get all this stuff done. So I, I already had my Friday planned out. I'm going to do this. He can't. Dad, you want to fly with me uh, tomorrow? My first inclination was, and I think I even said it, well, son, I would love to, but, you know, I got, I got all this stuff I got to catch up on. And um, I think I'm about to take a pass on it. He said, well, that's okay. That's okay, Dad. Now, how many of y'all know when your children ask you to do something and then they say, well, that's okay, Dad. They really, they wouldn't have asked you had they not want you to go. Right? And so, so I sat there and I said, you know what? There may come a time when he's not asking me to do this stuff, so I'm going to take advantage of this. I, listen, I got a whole bunch of stuff to do, but you know what? It'll be, it'll be there when I get back. And so I, I went with him. He, we got in the plane. 
We flew to Hot Springs, Arkansas, went to Freddy's and got us a good burger and turned around and flew right back. (laughs) And so he's building up his flying hours, okay? But time together is crucially important for your children, fathers. You can work, and I know you have to work, but listen, some of us take on extra work, extra overtime because we think it's all about the money. But I'm going to tell you, you never get those years back. So take time to spend with your children and build a relationship with them when they're in those formative years. Because when you get to be 60, 70, 75, you want them to come around, they don't even really know you because you didn't spend time with them when they were coming up. You were working. And listen, I know you got to work, but let's balance. Everybody say balance. So time together. They need time together, okay? Um, uh, Number two, life skills. Teach them some life skills, guys. It's important to talk about your experiences, what you learn. And and, and if it's something that you don't know, then, you know, you and your spouse, your spouse, here's what I've discovered. A lot of times our spouses complement our weaknesses as well as we do theirs. And so y'all come, y'all pull together and teach your children life skills. Don't let them learn it in the streets. For God's sake, don't let them learn it at school. What can another 21-year-old teach another 21-year-old? I mean, you know, yeah, some things, but, but by and large, they had not experience enough. Are y'all listening to me? So teach them life skills. Number three, they need direction. They need direction with solid, God-ordained answers to the why questions of life. The why question, those questions that 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 maybe perplex and, and why is this and you know but why is it that uh, dad you, you're saying uh, don't uh, don't violate a, a, a young woman respect her enough to 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 not try to advance on her sexually until y'all get married why is that well then now we go to the scripture we go to so so I'll take you over to First uh, Corinthians the sixth chapter let's go there right quick First Corinthians chapter number six. And that's what I'm going to tell my son. That's what, that's what you should be telling your daughter, dads and, and um, um, mothers. Okay? Look at verse number, I think it's verse number 18 I want to go to. Glory to God. Verse number 18. Look at what the text says here. So I'm, I'm giving them the why question because... The guy in the locker room ain't giving them this why question. They're not giving them the same answer. Depending on who your daughter's hanging with, her friends aren't giving her this same answer. He's cute. And? Well, you know, all the girls at school want him. If you're not careful, all of the girls at school may have had him. my young sisters and my young brothers and older sisters and older brothers and middle-aged sisters and brothers. (laughs) Guys, this stuff don't stop. Because you're past 40 don't mean you stop thinking about sex. Oh, can we talk about sex in church? We need to. It's in the Bible. That's why our kids are messed up because we don't talk about it from a biblical perspective. We got to talk about more. Listen, you got to say more than just don't do it. Now, we are, we are that's our message, but you got to go a little bit deeper than that. 
Let's go to the why behind us telling them, let's wait until we're in covenant relationship. Think of what Paul told the church at Corinth. Watch this. Run from sexual sin. KJV says flee fornication. When it says run from it, what does that mean? That means run. You don't need a Greek theological commentary to understand what run means. It means get out of there. Look at what it takes. Look what Paul said. Paul says no other sin. This is not just for young people. This is for married folks too. Because if you are, if you are, if you be, you're at work and you're working with this lady, you're working with this man, and, and things aren't going right at home, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you the anatomy of an affair. And here's, here's how affairs happen. Emotional connections start. You're there working with this person. This person at work is talking to you real nice, but your husband talks to you like he, all he do is grunt. Mm. When are we going to eat dinner? I'm going fishing. I'm watching the ball game. What do you mean go shopping? <laughs> How many men out there, when you hear the dreaded, oh, baby, can we, I want you to go to the mall with me. Y'all, some of y'all are like, oh, Lord. Jesus. <laughs> how, how do I know that? Because I was that guy. But you know what I've learned? I learned that my wife wants me to go with her. I don't know. I mean, because, you know, I'm, just, I'm going along pushing the buggy. Or I'm sitting on the stool, whatever. But what I've learned to do is, is go with her and not complain. I don't go with her and tell her, you don't try it on 15 dresses? <laughs> you know, I, I, I go in the dressing room with her and help her change it. Change it. Why are y'all looking at me like that? <laughs> We's married. I go in there and help her change the dress. I remember one time we were at White House Black Market, and, and, and that's one of, one, of, one of our places that my sweetheart loves to go shop. And uh, she hadn't been in a while. Uh, I, I'm, I say give her credit. I'm just, I don't know if credit is the right word, but, but she's, she's just, you know, she hadn't done it in a while. But I remember the last time we went, and they used to love to see her coming. Because she don't come, she don't come every month. She don't even come every half year, but she makes up for it when she does come. <laughs> and you know what I start? I sit there, man, when they have a bench there, man, I'm just, I just sit there. I'll, 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 I love to read. I'll read, uh, read some devotional. Or I'll read news or I'll watch, you know, you know, thank God for technology. I can watch the ball game. Sit down there. I can watch LSU or I can watch Louisiana Tech right there, sit up there, watch each other. You need this address, baby? Okay, here it is. So I sat there, and I've learned that that's important to her. Even though, you know, it may not be my thing, but, but it's spending time together. If, if, if she enjoys that, what I've said, from now on, when it's time to go, I'm going to go. Now, I, I got to admit, can I admit something to y'all? Saturday, uh, I, 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 I was almost, well, I kind of did make an excuse. <laughs> she was on the other side of town. And she said, well, why, why, don't I, <laughs> why don't I drive home and then we can come back out here together? I said, well, you're already out there. <laughs> Jerry, show us I'm sitting here. Show us I'm black. That's what I said. <laughs> Y'all know I'm black, right? 
But then I, 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 I said, okay, let me catch myself. I said, all right, so baby, I, I'll drive out there and, and I'll meet you. So I, I drove out there and met her there. And then we went and did some other things together and we ended up eating. We were following each other in the cars. And we ended up eating some Mexican food at Nicky's. Uh, but, but my point is, time together. Not only do you need to spend time together with your children, guys, dad, you got to spend time together with your spouse. And that means doing things sometimes that maybe it's not your, in your wheelhouse, but it's in her wheelhouse. And it makes her feel important when you do that. Look at me, brothers. Look at me, guys. See, sometimes we want things to be right later on. <laughs> but we won't do what we need to do prior to. Oh, is this too rich for some of y'all? I'm trying to help the brothers. I'm trying to help the dads in the house. So there's something that's called foreplay. Foreplay is, is the time before you play. And foreplay is more than just, you know, cuddling. Foreplay is talking throughout the day. Foreplay is, is washing the dishes, helping the children with the homework so when she comes home, she doesn't have to do it and she's not tired. And then at 9 o'clock at night, 9.30, here you come. Can I help somebody up in here? Okay, so time together. I feel some of y'all getting uncomfortable, but I'm just trying to help you. See, we need this kind of preaching and teaching. And this is doctrine. Because the Bible says husband and wife should not defraud each other except that we would consent for a time that you give yourself to fasting and praying. And he says you better make sure you come together again quickly lest you be tempted because of your lack of self-control. That's what Paul told the church at Corinth. So it's all throughout the Bible. We just hadn't talked about it. We's Baptists. We don't talk about that stuff. Yeah, we're going to talk about it. It's in the Bible. Because we're not Baptists. We're Christians. Don't identify yourself with a denomination. Identify yourself with Christ. So if it's in the word, we're going to preach it. So get back here. Ron, what does it mean? If you find yourself in a situation where you find yourself being tempted and attracting somebody, you better get away. Just, just, you, don't, you don't have to tell anybody what you're doing. Just, just get you a little safe distance there. Because any one of us in here, listen, listen to me carefully. I'm being serious now. Any one of, any one, any one of us in here are subject to falling. The moment you think you can't fall, that's when you're setting yourself up to fall. So just be, be careful. Put up boundaries. So, okay. Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as do this one. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Look at the next verse. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit which lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. For God brought you with a high price. So, you must honor God with your body and with your spirit, which belong to God. KJV says with your spirit, okay? All right, so, so um, time together, life skills, direction with solid God-ordained answers for the why questions of life, deep life convictions, deep life convictions. Hear, hear this carefully. You will leave in your child what you have lived out in your home. 
I need you to focus on it. You will leave in your child what you have lived out in your home. Not what you taught in Bible class or Sunday school class. Not what you spoke about and testified about in church. What you lived out in home. That's why some of your children are messed up. Because they see you come to church. But they also see you at home acting a fool. They see you at home not living godly. They see you at home being mean and ornery. They see you at home talking one thing, telling, well, you know, no, 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 young, young man, listen, listen. I know pastor said, you know, keep yourself, but listen, listen, here, 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 here here's a few dollars. They go buy those condoms now. See, we send in mixed messages and mixed signals. Yes, there's consequences to sin, but guys, I'm going to tell you something. Either this book is true or it's not. Either we're going to live it out or we're going to fake it. And too many people in the church are faking it. Deep life conviction. My goodness. Deep life convictions. I tell you, there's, there's some, some other stuff I got to share with you, but I'm going to tell, tell you next week. Can I, t- can I tell you next week? Will y'all let me tell you next week? Okay. I really need to tell you next week because, man, we're going to see that Jesus has been consistent with his message, but we've gotten off message when it comes to how we relate to people how we as fathers and even how we as mothers, how we as Christians um, have gotten away from what it truly means to be a Christian. I talked to my brother-in-law and he's writing this book and wondered, I think one of the chapters that he, he, he asked the question, are we who we say we are? Are we who we say we are? I mean, as Christians, are we who we really say, are we who we say we are? Because here's how you're going to tell that you are who you say you are when if you say that you are a Christian and they were first called Christians at Antioch, if we are Christ followers, then our lives should be lining up with what Christians are said to be like. All right? And so if, if we are, again, none of us are perfect, but we ought to have a lifestyle where we're known to be Christ followers by our actions. And if we're not known to be that way, especially dads in your home when your children see one thing out here and another thing at home, it, it does damage to them. There are wounds there. And so we want to make sure that we are doing life the right way, okay? We, we, we need to be who we say we are, Christ followers, okay? I'm going to stop there because I have the privilege and I know I got to get, listen, I know I got to get be better disciplined to finish these messages, but I get you to come back. You come back next week, won't you? <laughs> I don't do that on purpose. Sometimes I, I'm, I get undisciplined because sometimes you feel the fire of something, and sometimes you know that that's something that needs to be touched on. Remember I told you, it's okay to go down a rabbit trail as long as you kill something. And I think I killed something today. <laughs> some of y'all have been struggling. Some of y'all have been tempted. And what I'm telling you is you better start running. You better run. Amen. God loves you. 
Man, he loves you, and I love you too. I thank God for each one of y'all in here. Hallelujah. Every head bowed and back closed. Father, we thank you.